it, you can't walk through the mall without seeing lots of peace signs and, and on clothing and all kinds of stuff, maybe little quotes, little signs everywhere. It's always on there. You see it everywhere, right? I was just, these pictures I took just uh, in Chicago, I'll tell you about that later. We were in Chicago this week and just one, I was waiting for our dinner and I see these signs. They're all over. Our culture wants this. We need it, right? We want world peace. Everybody agree? We want to see peace in this world. We want a peaceful night's rest, right? Parents, you want peace and quiet. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, I just want another piece of pie. That's all I want. But that's a different kind of peace. All right, we're not talking about that one today. But this idea of having peace in our relationships, we all want it, but how do we get it? All right, if you go to the store today, you go to the mall, afterwards you go to the food court, get some lunch, and then meander. You'll see peace signs and peace words all over. If you go to any, anybody and you say, I would like to buy some peace, what are they going to sell you? What are they going to sell you? Maybe like a candle or essential oils that, that say peace on it. Maybe they'll get you some shirt that says it, or maybe they'll take you and get you some Birkenstocks. <laughs> like these are, this, is, this is where peace starts on your feet. Um, Get some stickers. Will that help? I mean, if that's how we get peace, we'd, we'd stop doing, like, spend, putting all our money on this outreach, and we just get you suited up with all these stickers and all that kind of stuff. We just tell you to start using more peace emojis, you know, when you send texts and all that kind of stuff. But we all know that's not how you get peace. Where do we find it? Well, fortunately, we believe that God's word speaks to this subject. In the New Testament alone, we see peace 94 times, just in the New Testament, more in the Old Testament, all right? It's in every single book of the Bible, of the New Testament, except for one, all right? You can, uh, I'll give you the answer so you can use this as trivia with your friends. What's the only book in the New Testament that doesn't use the word peace? That is 1 John. 1 John's the only book, and if you know 1 John, that's all about love, right? A lot of uh, love is used many times, so we could even make the assumption, and even in that, we see peace. So peace is through Scripture. How can we get it? Peter, when he is giving a sermon in Acts, he says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one who's going to give this world peace. And isn't it interesting to know that over the years, as they have pushed the Bible aside, if they have rejected the words of Christ, and we seem like we have less and less peace. It shouldn't be a news flash that anxiety across the board in every generation, every age group is high. That we are anxious people. Looking for peace, we're looking in the wrong places Yoga studios might give you some serenity for a little bit, but they're not going to give this. They're not going to give what the Bible talks about. Jesus is the one who gives peace. He gives peace in our lives through a continual relationship. But the beautiful thing is not only does he give you peace, but he lets you use that peace to bless others. That's what we'll talk about today. I have three points. My first point is going to be about 90% of the sermon, okay? Okay. 
So just hang in there. Uh, we'll get to that, and then we'll get to the last couple points today. But the first point is just is the most important part. It's that God gives peace to his church. God is the one who gives peace to the church. He gives all kinds of good gifts. There's all sorts of good gifts. But think about the importance of this. Why does Paul end with this? It's because they need it. I'm not going to go into all the background that we've done almost every week. We've talked about kind of the situation at this church. But remember, Paul came in. He preached the gospel. They came to Christ, and persecution started immediately. Paul was asked to leave. Persecution started. On the minor end, it doesn't go into a lot of detail, but on the minor end, it was just simple, simply like kind of rejecting people and, you know, casting them aside, maybe making fun of them, that kind of thing. But on the serious side, which we've seen through other books and through other stories of persecution, that there was imprisonment and even death. But this church is at war with their community, or their community is at war with them. And so when he says peace, have peace, that's significant. Peace is a word that you say when there's war, when there's fighting. And so he gives this message of peace to his church. And he says this in verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. That's pretty comprehensive, isn't it? The Lord of peace give you peace always and at all times. As I look through scripture, I see that we need peace and we need peace in at least three different areas. All right, I'm going to walk through those areas real quick. But different verses point out different things. But if you look at the first one, we need peace first and foremost with God, with God alone. If you flip over to Romans 5, Romans 5 is this fantastic passage. It talks about salvation. It talks about this relationship with, with Jesus. And it starts out by saying in verse 1 of Romans 5, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about love and hope and about salvation and justification and reconciliation. He talks about all these big theological truths. But all of this happens because we have peace with God. Our sins have put us at war with him. Every time we sin, every time we rebel, every time we stand in opposition, it's at war. And in this passage, in Romans 5, he uses this word enemies. He uses the word sinner and all that. But he's saying that we have been sinners. We've been sinning against God. We were enemies with him. But he says in verse 6, this is beautiful. This is how Jesus brings peace. He says this, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for his enemies. Christ took the initiative to bring peace, to end war. Verse 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We need peace with God. Before we can talk about anything else, 
And if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this point here. This is the most important. You guys, we need to have peace with God. And that only comes, only comes through Jesus Christ. Through coming to him, repenting. And saying, I, I want to stop fighting. I want to stop fighting against God. I want to stop rebellion. I want to stop living my own way with my own little uh, crown on my head. I'm going to ask for forgiveness for the wars that I started for my rebellion. I want Jesus to come in and change me. And now I want to worship that king. Be a part of his kingdom. That is how we have peace with God. My prayer is that each person here, when you leave, that you leave knowing how to have peace with God. And you'll have that conversation with him today. So the first thing we need is peace with God. Second thing that I see in Scripture when it talks about these verses of peace, that we need peace with ourselves. I believe it's entirely possible to have peace with God, but not to have internal peace, not to have peace with ourselves. A couple of verses like this, like Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Can't even understand, can't even think about this completely. That it would guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That peace would guard your hearts and your minds. That you would have peace there. Colossians 3.15 says, The peace of Christ, may it rule in your hearts. Since members of one body, you are called to peace. Let peace dwell in your hearts. Do you have peace dwelling in your hearts? Are your mind and your heart, is that full of peace? Or is there something there that's saying that, no, no, you can't have complete peace? Is there something there that's saying, remember those things you did when you were a little kid, when you were a teenager? Remember those sins you committed in your young adult years? You really can't be forgiven for those. Those can't be totally forgotten. Maybe there was something that you did before you came to Christ. Maybe it was something you did after you came to Christ. And you did something, you're ashamed of it. And those messages that, that Satan loves to broadcast loud and clear are saying, you can't be forgiven for that. You can't be loved for that. You should be ashamed of yourself. Do you hear those messages? You need peace. You need peace. You need to let those things go. One thing I found very helpful, there's a, a pastor that I, I listen to a lot, Colin Smith. He's Scottish. He's from Chicago. Right now, his pastor's a church there. But he, he talked about this uh, in a little a new way that was really helpful for me. Hopefully, it'll help you. That when we come to Christ and when we think about, like, uh, sanctification, we, we think in terms of our, our minds and our hearts, Right? And those are true, right? Our, our hearts are changed now. Now we have a heart. Instead of a heart of stone, we have a heart of flesh. And we're transforming our mind to be more and more like Christ. Like those things are true. But he says this. He's like, Christ has come to change the soul. And in the soul, it's not just only your mind and your heart. But it's also your will. And what you stand for. Right, it's also your imagination, what you dream about. Christ has come to change and transform those things. 
That before you were in Christ, you, you had this one imagination, but now he's coming, he's changing that, and he's giving you a new imagination. But there's also memory and conscience. The Holy Spirit is at work in those areas. And that's that area that, that gives us this, this guilty conscience. Because we're trying to forget, but Satan wants us to hold on to that. But Jesus said, those things are gone. What you did before, they're gone. They're forgiven. Let those things be cleared from your memory. And your conscience, let that be cleansed. kind of talks about as a boardroom that each one of those things are board members and now when you come to Christ the Holy Spirit is the new chairman of the board and says we're going to clear your heart and give you a new thing to praise the Lord for and a new mind and a new will and a new conscience a new memory and a new imagination let God work in all of those areas to let those things go now I'll say one Final thing on that. If those things aren't being let go, it might be because it's a sin in your life right now. That you're holding on to some sin, and now the Holy Spirit is saying, you gotta, you got to deal with that. you got to leave that sin behind. You need to repent and confess. And so maybe for some of you, that's what God is working on. But as soon as you repent and you confess, now you leave it behind. Give it to the Spirit to work so that you can have peace not only with God, but have peace internally, peace with yourself. So we see that. We see those two areas. There's a final area that we need peace with, and that's peace with others, with each other. As I was reading these verses this week, looking at different ones, I see them broken down into two categories, peace in the church and those peace with others outside the church. You know what that tells me? tells me that even in the church, we're not perfect. Even in the church, we still struggle. We're still unintentionally, hopefully, going to cause some pain to people and hurt each other. We're not there yet. We're in process. But even in the church, we need to hold on and to fight for this peace. Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace, and to mutual edification. Do every effort to bring peace. There's a whole lot more verses. Now hold that off. But you get the idea. That we need this peace in the church. We got to hold on to that and fight for that. There will be times where you maybe have not been heard or somebody talks over you, or whatever the case may be. But let us be people of peace. We can address it. We can talk about it. You can bring things up. We're all in a process of growth, but may peace govern us. That's in the church. And what about outside the church? We're to have, be at peace with outside, people outside the church. Right? Verses like this, like Hebrews 12, 14, says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Do you see that? that, that what that means is our evangelism hinges on these two things, peace and holiness. If we're not living at peace here in the church and outside the church, 
who will come to see the Lord? And if we're not living holy lives, they're not going to come to see the Lord either. Romans 12 says, if if it's possible at all, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, but to live at peace. And this is hard. Because this world and people out there are going to hurt you. They're going to cause some pain. And then Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Well, how do we do that? By letting peace sink deep into our lives so that we can be at peace with others. This church is being persecuted. If they can do it, we can do it too. So how do you live at peace with people that have a totally different lifestyle, make different lifestyle choices? How do we live at peace with people who have different ideals than we do or different values, have different priorities? We are to live at peace. It doesn't say to live with judgment. We'll let Lord do the judgment, but we, as much as it depends on us, we are going to live with peace, with others, so that people will see the Lord. So they'll see him, they'll come to him. This is important, guys. We need this. We need peace. Not just so we can feel good, but we can have peace with God, peace with ourselves, peace with others, so that the word of God would spread. Amen? How does that happen? How do we get it? We're just ordinary people. All right, how do we get this peace? Well, the answer, you know the answer. He already says it. He says, the Lord of peace, which is Jesus, may he give it to you. The Lord, there's the, the Lord is used many, many times through scriptures, but it doesn't often say the Lord of peace. A few things it says, this is the ones I tracked down. The Lord of lords, the Lord of glory, the Lord of hope, and the Lord of the living of the dead. Five times where it says Jesus is the Lord of one of these things. What that means is he has authority. He has authority over that. It's his to give. It's his to impart. He is peace. He makes peace. That's what the angel said when he was born. There's a son who brings peace. And he gives peace. And that's Paul's point here. That you guys need it. Because there's a war going on. You need peace And this peace is only going to come from the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that will bring peace. He's the one that imparts it. We see a picture in the Gospels of that. Remember that that picture where Jesus isn't in the boat. There's a storm that comes up. The disciples are freaked out. They wake Jesus up and say, we're going to die. Remember what he says? He stands up. He speaks to the storm and says, peace, be still. He's imparting peace to the water, to the waves, to the wind. The God that can do that to water, waves, and wind can do that to your lives. He's the one that will impart peace into your life. He says this other thing. It says, the Lord of peace will bring you peace. And then he says this, give you peace always and in every way. Always in every way. I, I love this. As I've been thinking about this during the week and just thinking about your day, 
that God gives you peace throughout the day. Right? In the morning, the morning, you wake up late, there's no milk left in the milk jug. It's in the refrigerator, but there's nothing in it, right? And then you're frustrated with that. Your clothes are dirty. The bathroom's locked. You can't get in. The Lord will give you peace. He will give you peace in that morning rush. In the afternoon when your coffee is worn off and you're dragging, you haven't even gotten anything accomplished, but the to-do list keeps going. Your boss keeps giving you new things to do. You're getting stressed out. The day is almost done. The Lord will give you peace. He will. The evening time when you're coming home, the commute's long and hard. You forgot to take the chicken out to defrost it. What's going to happen for dinner? You don't know. There's homework and all kinds of things. You got to take people all over the place. The Lord will give you peace. The Lord, the Lord of peace, Jesus Christ, is there saying, you want peace? I've got it. You want it in the morning? I'll give it to you. In the afternoon, you've got it. In the evening, for sure. It's comprehensive. It's throughout your day, but it's also throughout your life. Is there any situation, any time in your life where, where it, God's peace can't reach you? Is there any time in your life that God can't do something about? Think about little kids. Little kids are in elementary school. Going to school for that first time. Trying to learn how to color in the lines and write their name. They grow up through elementary school trying to just find friends and just keep their room clean. God can give them peace. And as parents, if you have kids there, pray for them. Pray for them to have that peace. Because God can reach into their lives and give that to them. When they're junior high and their bodies are changing and they're just trying to figure out how do I fit in with the people around me, God will give them peace. When they're in high school and they're just thinking about college and how they can get into a college and all their AP classes and all their extracurricular activities and all the things that they're doing and trying to learn how to drive and please their parents and stay out of trouble, God can give you peace. When you're in college and now you're thinking about school loans, thinking about that job and where are you going to live, God will give you peace. For the young adults who are wondering, like, is this what I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life? If I live here, should I move, change careers? Will I have someone to get married or spend my life with? God will give you peace. With the mom and dad who are just trying to keep their kids alive. <laughs> just trying to raise up kids that don't end up in jail. God will give you peace. To the mom that's just saying, I just need a minute to myself. When did I become a taxi cab driver? I'm tired. God will give you peace. To the parents who have been praying for peace and quiet for 18 years, now they finally have it. The kids are gone they're looking at their career. They're trying to maximize their retirement and all of that. All the stress of all that, that happens and paying for weddings and whatever. God will give you peace. To those who are retiring and saying, well, I hope my finances and God's return come all at the right time. More concerned about health now as they feel it. God will give you peace. 
You guys, peace is there. God is the one who gives it. It comes through Jesus Christ. But sometimes we're so busy and we're so stressed out, we don't even think to pause and to ask for this, to ask for this blessing in the morning, to ask for that blessing on our kids, no matter what their age, on our, our homes, on, at work. You guys, we don't have to live stressed out and frazzled lives. God gives to those who ask. You want wisdom? Ask. You want peace? Ask. He will bring it to you. God gives peace to his church. Church, are you at rest? Have you experienced that peace? That's my prayer for you. The second thing we see, though, is that as God gives peace to his church, we are to give that peace away. We don't hoard it. We don't hoard. There's not many things we hoard, guys. What we've been given when we're blessed, we give it away. Same thing with this, with peace. We are to give it away. There's a few models in here in the New Testament that talk about peace. None of them have to do with hoarding. All of them have to do with giving away. In Matthew 5, it says, blessed are peacemakers. People that bring peace to their communities, who bring good, who are doing good things, who are loving others, providing some kind of security, trying to hunt down injustice. Blessed are the peacemakers. James says the same thing. The peacemakers will see the righteousness of Christ. This stands in stark contrast to all those Proverbs. There's like 10 of them that talk about people that try to stir up anger and frustration and, and strife through their gossip, through their attitudes, all those kinds of things. We have people that do that. That is not consistent with the Christian faith. What is consistent with the Christian faith are people that are going out and trying to bring peace to their communities. A peacemaker is one. A second one is, it might seem weird to you, but it's a prophet. A prophet is a person of peace. A prophet is a person who hears what God is saying and then tells the people. This is what God says. Thus saith the Lord, right? You see that through the Old Testament a lot. It's people that are hearing words from God and they're telling people. And usually, people don't like it. You're a prophet. And your message is that God loves you. He wants peace in your life. And that peace is found in Jesus Christ think people will love that message? Not really. Some will. And we're going to keep telling that story. Keep telling people, this is what God says. This is what he wants. He's not the angry God, the distant God, the cranky God, whatever people's pictures are. And that's a great conversation to have with people. Asking about what their image of God is and help them to see your image. Help them to see a God who wants a relationship who wants to bring peace. So you have the peacemaker, you have the prophet. The third one, and I have to say this at our church, any guesses? It's the ambassador, right? The ambassador. An ambassador we know is someone who stands between two parties. They represent a, a nation or a kingdom, and they're, they're trying to bring this peaceful relationship in what they do. And really, this ambassador kind of combines both of these, the peacemaker and the prophet. Because when you read 2 Corinthians 5, 20, it says, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to him. That's our message. 
This message of peace. But it's also a message of peace to each other. Let us be reconciled to each other. Let us love each other. Let's be in this relationship. So you see, none of those hoard peace. All of those are meant on receiving peace and then giving that out. Ambassador, let's be peacemakers. Let's be prophets of peace. Let's be ambassadors who reconcile two parties together. So God gives peace to the church. We, the church, are to give it away. And last, how is this even possible? How is this possible? It's possible because Jesus is always with us. That little verse at the very end of verse 16, or that sentence at the end of verse 16, says, the Lord be with you all. He's with you all. That's how we can have it. There, it's interesting. There's a... Um, We, we can ask God for peace all we want, all day long. But how do we receive it? What do we do once God is trying to give it to us? So, for instance, it's, it's late at night. You go to bed. You can't sleep. It's now early in the morning, 1 o'clock or so, and you're still thinking about those things on your mind, wondering if that procedure will reveal cancer. When will the doctors call and tell me I have cancer? Will I still have a job in the morning? Will my kids be okay? Will they still be walking with the Lord? Whatever. We have, a, you know you have those things. You have, will your friends, will my friends, you know, be there for me? Whatever it is, we have those things that keep us up at night. What do we do with it? Some people will say, well, don't even think about it. <laughs> but is that good advice? Like, eh, don't even think about it. I can't help but think about it. That's all I can think about it. But I believe if Paul were to answer this question for it, I think he'd say, here's what you do. You think about it. You bring these things to the Lord. Don't hide them because he's with you. He knows what's going on. He knows what your heart is, is being upset about or struggling with or finding anxiety or stress with. He knows that, so bring it to him. He is with you. God's presence is with you all day, every day, throughout your life to bring you peace. Even when you're laying in your bed, even when you're stressed out, he's there. Bring these things to the Lord. Second thing is rest on God's promise. Scripture throughout. I could read all kinds of verses that talk about this. Casting your anxieties on the Lord. He cares for you. And all of those things. You know those verses. You know that you can stand firm on that. I was tempted to skip over verse 17 because it's like, it's kind of a weird verse. Here's what it says. It says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. But here's why this is important to bring out. All right, Paul had dictated this letter. I don't know, Timothy or somebody was writing this letter. And now he gets to the end. He says, hey, give me the pen. And he just writes in his own handwriting. I'm sure it's not nearly as neat as whoever was writing it. 
And he scribbles this thing, you know, maybe big letters. This is Paul. This is how I write. These are my words. Why does he put that in there? Why is that significant? Well, if you were with us throughout this, this series, you remember of, mm, several weeks ago now, in chapter 2, verse 2, it said people were all upset. They were all upset because they had heard that Paul said that the day of the Lord already came, meaning Jesus Christ has already returned and he left you. He left you. He didn't even come to their church or to their city. They're all upset about that. And we talked about that in those previous sermons. But Paul said, you heard this through a forgery, through rumors. Maybe somebody sent a letter in my name, but that wasn't my writing. That wasn't my letter. This is my letter. This is how I write. This is my sign. And when you read one with my handwriting in it, it comes with the authority of Jesus Christ. And as an apostle of Jesus Christ, this is the word of God. He has given this to me. I'm giving it to you. So you can rest. You can have peace in knowing what I write. All these things about casting your anxiety that God cares for, that he loves you, that he wants peace in your life. He doesn't want you to live with anxiety and stress. You can know that's not built on the foundation of God's word. So when you're lying in bed and you're thinking about that, bring those things to the Lord. Rest on the promises of God. And lastly, Know that Jesus' grace is sufficient for you. He says the grace of God will be with you. Always. That's how he finishes his letter. The grace of Jesus. That he's got you. You don't have to hold on to that anxiety. You don't have to hold on to that struggle. You don't have to fight You can experience peace now. So, where do you buy peace? Talked about it at the beginning. You go to the store. You go to Target. You want to buy some peace. Where do you find it? You're not going to find it there. You're not going to find it dressed up in shirts with peace signs, Birkenstocks, and yoga pants. I don't want to see any of you guys in this. That's not going to give you peace. Peace is found here in God's word. We need peace. Peace with God, peace with ourselves, peace with others. You don't pick one or the other, guys. It's not just pick one of those three, that'll be good. It's all of them. When we come to know Christ, we have peace with God, we have peace with ourselves, and we have peace with others. Let's take that. Let's be filled with peace so that we can be peacemakers, prophets, and ambassadors in this world because this world is hurting. This world is anxious and they are looking for peace everywhere and we have it. Let's go share it. Amen.